that's that's super cool i think i think like over the course of experiencing god like as a person who's not been doing it i mean it's been great to hear from people on these sunday mornings but maybe even more than that like i guess sort of across the group it just feels like there's um the work of god has been evident you know and i think one of the major premises of experiencing god that you were talking about colin is you know that we don't get to decide what's good or what's god or what's right in a moment and when we partner with god in the things that he's doing we see the fruit of god in what's done and i think like if i just look at you glenn and go over the course of experiencing god it's like there's no question it's been a stream of living water in your soul and the um confession that it's led to in the oh that's uh oh well uh, we got kids we got dogs we got toys we got blocks it's all happening here but yeah we um you know i think i think the stream of living water that's been flowing into your soul and, and has you know um strengthened the confession of your mouth and the choice the choices that you're making you know it's one thing to encounter material that's inspiring or that's encouraging or that's educational I think what I've seen is like this has hit the cold front of life for some people in this group and has enabled a confidence to go, no, I am going to choose to roll this in on God's story. And I do want this life I live to partner with him. And actually, there's some realities of how that works. And there's some ways to access that. And, but, but more than it just being good information, it's like I've seen faith rising in our crew of people and i just want to thank you and leon for the leadership you brought to it and just for the love you put into it and for the yeah i think it's it's just been such a it's been it i you know it's been an exciting thing to watch from a distance and just see just week after week god just pouring something good into the lives of people we love and yeah that's that's exciting and yeah i want to come in on one other thing before we jump in on this week's verse like ben and janessa um Man, I think just so proud of the faith you guys have taken to get to this point. And Ben, I think you said like this is a this is a moment of a victory. This is a promise fulfilled. And we kind of gloss over these moments, but without question, this is a promise fulfilled. You know, you guys have um, followed the scripture that says anyone who leaves family or friends or house or land for my sake will be rewarded in this life and in the life to come. And you know, you guys stepped out of what was uh, a comfortable and established position to come and, and be here in uh, what is uh, could only be defined as uncomfortable and unestablished in so many ways and have taken faith that God's going to open doors and make a way. And yeah, we just, I just, I hear in this, I know, I know we've talked about it. I've talked to you guys personally, but I just really want to thank Jesus for the things he's pouring into your guys's life, for the plan that he has for you, for your family for the way that he's making and, and also just really to encourage you guys to go, you know, the faith that you've taken to trust God's voice in the uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. It's encouraging to, to all of us to watch and see God fulfill and come through. It's just a really cool thing. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and we love you, man. We love Ben, Janessa, Archie. We just, yeah. We love you guys. You mean a lot to us. We're grateful for you. All right. Let's, uh, let's settle into Ephesians chapter five. I think uh, I've been 
I've been really encouraged by this passage this week. And I think this morning, um, yeah, there's some pieces of the puzzle to kind of reach for together in our, in our groups and in our discussions. And yeah, we'll see, see sort of where we can take it. But why, why don't we just start with the, the passage? So if you've got it in front of you or got it on your phone, pull it up or just listen if you don't. But I'm going to read from the Amplified. So Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to split it into two chunks this morning. So this is verse 1 to 14. All right. <clears throat> says, therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. And walk continually in love that is value one another. Practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice to God, slain for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. But sexual immorality and all moral impurity, indecent or offensive behavior or greed must not even be hinted at among you as it is proper among saints. For as believers, our way of life, whether in public or in private, reflects the validity of our faith. Let there be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse, obscene or vulgar joking. Because such things are not appropriate for believers, but instead speak of your thankfulness to God. For be sure of this, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, for that one is in effect, in effect an idolater, has any inheritance, inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. And God, for such a person places a higher value on something other than God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments that encourage you to sin. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those who habitually sin. So do not participate or even associate with them in, rebel in the rebelliousness of sin. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, live as those who are native born to the light. For the fruit, the effect, the result of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn by experience what is pleasing to the Lord and letting your lifestyles be examples of what is most acceptable to him, your behavior expressing gratitude to God for your salvation. Do not participate in the worthless and unproductive deeds of darkness, but instead expose them by exemplifying personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character. For it is disgraceful even to mention the things that such people practice in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light of God's precepts. For it is light that makes everything visible. For this reason, he says, awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine as dawn upon, upon you and give you light. I mean, there's a lot in there. I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you like me can be drawn to the, oh, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. And then there's this little, these little lines at the end of some of those lists that go by instead focus on this. You know, it's like, don't do these 10 things, but instead um, speak of your thankfulness to God. You know, I think in this passage, you know, as we continue to work our way through Ephesians, you know, sort of that first half of Ephesians that we started at, or, you know, chapters one, two, and three, were really all about what Jesus has done for us, what he's established, what he's changed, what he's offered us, the life that he's given us, the spirit that he's established within us. And then the second half, 
is really inviting us to recognize the call that we have to be focused on that. And in focusing on that, this is what it's to look like. It's like, um, but without what Christ has done for us, all of this is impossible. We need to be reminded of that again, that really our call here isn't to behavior modification. It's to intimacy and love and affection for the person of Jesus. And as he becomes one of our people, who we are changes. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing to belong. And as much as anything, Paul's talking here about what it looks like and what it is like and what it isn't like to belong to our God, to belong to Jesus, to be one of his people. And, you know, I think when we come and look at these characteristics as the do's and don'ts of our faith we're missing, I think what he's giving us here is some examples and some pictures to go, do you know what? The life of Christ doesn't look like this, but it looks like this. And I think when we come to this passage and we sort of let go of this, dun, 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 and, and let's not write it off because those are important characteristics. There's some things in here that, that are being highlighted for us that go, if you think following God looks like this, I want you to know it, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't look like this. It, it, it looks like something else. And as you focus on the things that it does look like, uh, you know, and, and, and in this passage, we're given some examples of that. But he starts at the beginning here with, therefore, become imitators of God. Follow him and copy his example as children imitate their father and continually walk in the love and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best. That's, that's really starting to tell us what imitating Jesus looks like, but you know, as we sit in this idea of imitating, you know, sometimes imitating is effort filled. Like maybe sometimes you think, oh, you know, I watch a YouTube clip of an individual who talks like this or sails like this or four wheel drives like this or plays a guitar like this. And actually I wanna hold my guitar that way or I wanna sing that way or I wanna be that way. That's, that's an intentional imitating. But imitating is also an unintentional act of belonging. And it's a part of us um, that becomes like who we want to belong to. And, and actually, Ella, she's not consciously trying to imitate anything. But she says words the way that Leela and I say words. And she uses phrases that we use. And she wipes benches and cleans up like her mom. She vacuums regularly because she sees her mom doing that she's not going i want to be like my mom she's just imitating the behavior that's around her the character that exists for her and, and even for us as adults there's a part of us that belongs to a people and if you think about that for a minute and go who's my people and what is it to act like us you know, that's really the part of who we are that paul's speaking to here that there's a part of us that's going to imitate those who we belong to. But to belong to Jesus and to pull his lifestyle close to us and, and then to find myself emulating and imitating it requires a, a relationship with him that goes, you are one of my people. The person of Jesus is someone whom I belong to. And Jesus is, you know, if we think about the rooms that we're in this morning, it's like, you know, here we are as a, as a people here in this room. And it's like, does Jesus belong here? Would I feel more comfortable if he was here or less? Because one of the things about, about Jesus being one of our people, we are comfortable with our people. 
you know, think about a dinner with people who aren't your people. Maybe you feel like you got to make sure you're all dressed up right. Maybe you feel like you got to like say all the right things. Maybe you're a little bit nervous coming to the table. Maybe, you know, but when you're with your people, you can come in your pajamas. You can say whatever's going on. You know, you're safe. You know, you belong. You know, you're accepted. You know, you're loved. And, you know, when Jesus becomes one of our people, we begin to emulate his life. Now, where do we find Jesus' life? This becomes the question of this. You know, how do we experience, you know, we, we, we have examples of how he lived in the scripture, in the stories. That's one of the ways, you know, we hear of his reactions, you know, when, when he was going to take to the cross and he's in the garden and he's so upset about things and he's finding things difficult. Well, that's an example to us. You know, when Peter messes up and denies him, we see how Jesus treats him and we see an example there, you know, whom Jesus healed and whom Jesus spoke poorly to in the scriptures we have lots of examples of the character of jesus but we also have personal experiences i mean we've talked here about ben and janessa you know we have uh an example of jesus and the way he treats people in the story that's playing out right here in our family with ben and janessa or with kai and his car story or with leela and our house sale or you know we see the way that jesus acts toward us in our personal life and in our communal life and i think when i begin to look to the person of jesus as an example and i go all right how do you respond how do you react what do you choose it's a powerful picture i mean i can remember a time in my life where I was really upset about a decision that um, someone really close to me was making. I felt like, you know, they were making the wrong decision, doing the wrong thing, you know, and I was really distressed about what this was going to cost. And I went to Jesus about this and he gave me an example to follow. You know, he started to talk to me about choice and how much he valued choice. And he said, Brad, I let you choose. And I let, you know, your family choose, the people that you love, I let them choose. And I need you to value choice more than what you do. Because to me, that's valuable. And what you want to do is take away someone's choice and have them choose what you want. And he's like, I don't treat people that way. And I'm asking you not to treat people that way. And it's like, okay, okay, well, I can do that. So choice is really important to you. And that becomes an example to me. And anyway, I, I think in our own ways, in our own lives, we can find ways that Jesus his way, his character, his love, his approach, also his lifestyle. What did he live for? What did he value? What was important to him? What did he see as most significant? And then really on the rest of this is highlighting for us Paul's, some of Paul's things that he thinks are important to God, are important to Jesus. He says, these things aren't, you know, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, offensive behavior, greed. These are not the things that Jesus lived for. Is what he's saying to us. Let there be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse or obscene, vulgar joking, because these things just don't belong here. That's what he's saying. In the life of Jesus, these things don't have a place. And and, and he goes on to say, be sure of this. And, and this really struck me, this verse. No immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, for such a person places a higher value on something other than God. What he's saying to us there is that the life of Jesus placed the most value over all other things on God and what he would desire for him. And man, that challenges me. I mean, I might not consider myself, a, I might not consider myself immoral. I mean, though at times I'm sure I am or impure, 
but though at times I'm sure I am, or, or even greedy, I wouldn't want to wear any of those t-shirts. This is who I am. But where is greed still a part of my push in life, for example? And he's saying, these things have no place. Put God at the center and seek after him. And it's like, I mean, that's a big invitation. He goes on, you know, in this, and he says, for you were once darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. Darkness was your identity. There was no light to the life you had. You were darkness. I'm not a big statement, but he says, now you are light. You're illuminated. In this world, you are casting light, shedding light. You are illumination. He says this it, light consists of goodness and righteousness and trying to learn by experience what's pleasing to the Lord and letting our lifestyles be examples of what's acceptable to him. Don't participate in the worthless and unproductive things. Find them the most meaningful things and be the light that you've become. I think, man, that's a strong identity statement. If you are following after Jesus, you're not darkness anymore. You're light. That's who you are. There's a lot in here. There's a, a lot to consider. Um, and I think we can't ignore these parts that say, you know, this is not who we are, but this is who we are. Those who are imitating Jesus, those who are finding his life coming alive among us. We are those who are no longer darkness, but are now light. Let's define ourselves as that and find the life of Christ coming alive within us. Anyway, I've had a lot to say here, but let's, let's kick this over to our rooms and, and look you know, there are some questions there. You know, in what ways can we find this example of Jesus pulling us close and helping us follow after God? How, how have we experienced that? What kind of character have we seen Jesus treat us with that we would desire to treat others with or live with? And let's, let's take this idea of example and a, and a lifestyle that sees us as um, Jesus' people and him as one of ours. And just talk about that for a minute. What does it look like to imitate the life of Jesus? So we'll kick that out to rooms and yeah, we'll come back together and um, chat about the second half of it. Now we had some, had some good chats in here around this concept. And I think some of us, some, some, some of it really circled. Yolani kicked us off circling around this idea of, you know, the identity of light. And is a it's a powerful thought and yeah but the the passage rolls on into into sort of a connected um second half so it's not read it as separate but you know it, it begins with the word therefore which means because of this stuff because of the things that we've been talking about and uh yeah let's jump into ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 to 21 it says, therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. 
Do not get drunk on wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, and stupidity, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise by singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. I mean, I mean, this is kind of the the culmination of what we of what we just read. You know, this idea of being imitators, this idea of you know, not allowing impurity or greed or Im immorality or, uh, you know, letting our conversation be full of, of gratitude, letting our, our focus be on the things of God, being focused not on the darkness that we once existed as, but being focused on this life of light that we now are, living a life of pleasing God and seeking by experience to come to understand what does please him. Uh, you know, this, this thing culminates in this, in this passage that says, therefore, walk carefully, you know, be, be intentional about the life that we're living, live a life with honor and purpose and courage. Don't get caught in evil, live as wise, not as unwise, make the most of your time on earth. I mean, these are really inspiring ideas to me. It's like, it's like, make the most of this. And the way that you can do that is by getting, getting close to Jesus and imitating the life that he lives. But when I think about it, you know, if, if you stop and you pause and you think a minute, we are all in some way, shape or form driven to make the most of our life on earth, right? Like, uh, it's not too, too you know, we, we haven't given up on uh, having life. But it's like, what, what do we really see as the opportunity to make the most of our life on earth. When you think about that, what are the things that you imagine and what are the things that come to mind? Does that, does that have a, you know, if, if you look at the picture of that, is it first a financial picture? Is it first a relational picture or a family picture or a geographical picture? Is it a lifestyle? You know, what are the things that, as you think about making the most of your life on earth and where in the mix of that, is God or his kingdom, you know, is he kind of like seventh or eighth on the list? Or is he sort of like, uh, you know, I, I, I think we can find um, a desire to make the most of our life on earth, uh, having a primary focus other than God. And maybe it takes a lot of faith or belief for us to believe that living a God life would be the access I have to making the most of my life on earth. It's like, is giving God the whole of my life going to be the most significant life on earth I could live? Because I think, I think as followers of Jesus, in some ways, we feel like we're going to have to miss out on making the most of our days on earth or having the greatest earth-based life. If we follow God, I think there's a piece there that tells us that story. That actually you're going to have to let go of the best. And you might not make the most of your days, but at least you'll have followed God. But I just think that's the biggest lie out there. I think that in the ways of Jesus and that in imitating his life, we're given access to the most. To the greatest. You know, if... if if this whole creation is his, if this whole life gig was his design, if the whole of the earth and all that the world entails was his plan from the beginning as the creator, he's going to give us access 
to the greatest path we could imagine. He made it. He designed it. This is his. He's the expert on this life thing. And in imitating his life and accepting his way, you know, and it's like, well, what, how, how are we giving ourselves permission to define making the most of our life on earth and connecting that with imitating the life of Jesus? Can we create a relationship between those two ideas and go the way that I can make the most of my life on earth is by imitating the life of Jesus, whatever that might lead us to. Yeah, he goes on to say, um, you know, don't be foolish or thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. I mean, let's take that one and flip it for a second. You know, have you ever been discerning the will of the Lord and be told that you were foolish or thoughtless? Let's just sit in that for a second. Think about a time when God was speaking to you about things that he had for you or things that he would want for you or a life that he was calling you to live. I think in my life, and maybe this is just my own pain or my own story, but I feel like at so many turns, I, I feel like the thing that I've come up against is, is the statement that following Jesus is foolish and thoughtless that trusting Jesus for my finances is foolish and thoughtless. That believing that God could lead and do and accomplish something is foolish and thoughtless. Now, I think there's something there for us that goes, you know, be faith-filled and follow Jesus and imitate his life, but don't get too extreme with that, that you end up being an idiot. And, and there's something to be said there, but I mean, this passage is saying, don't be foolish and thoughtless. But do that by grasping the will of God, by seeking his heart, by letting his spirit lead you is what it goes on to say. He's saying, don't get drunk on wine, for that's wickedness, corruption, and stupidity. You know, we can focus on that and should to some degree uh, without question. You know, but when we get focused on the don'ts, we miss the do's because he's con contrasting an opportunity here. He's saying, you could live your days to get drunk on wine, but don't do that. That's not going to be fulfilling. The thing that's going to be fulfilling is that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. He's just comparing and contrasting two lifestyles, a lifestyle that pursues something from a, a place of, you know, what this world has to offer or a place that's being filled by the spirit and being guided by him into the greatest life and the most significant contribution my life could make on its days on earth. And uh, apparently he wants us to live out a musical. You know, speak to one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. I suppose, Ali, you'll take great encouragement from this, having a desk beside Ali. Uh, sometimes I feel she's uh, practicing this more than, uh, more than any, bursting into regular song and uh, in her sleep. Yes, yes, we have all heard that. But, you know, I think this is saying, like, let's be focused on a life that, that worships and, and let's let our relationships with each other continue to point us towards acts of worship that make God bigger than the things that we face or the problems we have or the unfulfilled things that are occurring. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is a very inspirational culmination of, of Ephesians chapter five. That's this invitation and permission to pursue a life of purpose by being guided by the spirit of God into the greatest uh, contribution my life could make on earth. And uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that in our groups here. And um, yeah, where, where we sit around this idea of making the most of our time on earth and, 
And where, where, what pictures of that do we have and what invitation do we feel in this passage this morning to imitate Jesus and to live a life of his spirit and to see that being the, the greatest life we can live. So yeah, let's take some time to chat about that. We'll come back and um, I'll close out in worship and invite rooms into some 